0: Mr. I Hardly Knew Her. Today on... To hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Press B to Cancel. I am your host today, Sinistar77, and I'm joined by Sick Jake. Sick Jake, how are you? Doing great, and really looking forward to talking about this uh, episode this week. Awesome, awesome. We're also joined by my brother. Some Some of you may know him as Brother of Sin on Twitch, and while it may seem like I'm in it for the nepotism, he's joining because he's got a lot of expertise in FPGAs, the technology used in the Mr. Device, which we're talking about today, that nepotism. How are you today, Jeremy? I'm doing very well. How are you guys? Doing awesome. So that said, we are talking today about a device called the Mister FPGA, although it's not really a device. It is actually a an assembled project that is an open source project, uh community supported. Uh there was a previous episode on that shameful word, <laughs> emulation. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> actually i i i think it's funny that it has gone from shameful to thank you to thanks to uh retro achievements now it is actually a mainstream uh uh entry into gaming and uh, of course you know it gives us that ability to preserve games that are you know abandoned um but that said the mister is a uh fpga device which is why we have my brother with us today uh, Jeremy, do you want to give us a little background
1: on on why we have you here? Uh, sure. So, um, so I've actually used FPGAs probably I don't know for the last ten or twelve years. Um, in in uh, my day to day job, and I've used it in, in a lot of different capacities. FPGAs are very unique, um, and they have a lot of um, benefits that that allow you to do it. So, um. So FPGAs are something that I tend to use fairly frequently. I um, will you know, I also do software development and hardware development and things like that as well, but uh, FPGAs play a unique role.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So uh, the Mr. Device is an open source project that emulates consoles, computers, and arcade boards uh, via the said FPGA that we're talking about. So that said, can you also give us an understanding of why there is a value for FPGAs in emulation.
1: Yeah, so, and you guys, you know, please please stop me if I get too technical. I'll try to keep it at a fairly high level. Um, so FPGAs are, so when you, when you, let's let's say for example, you know, you want to, to you know, back in the days of, of the old Apple II or the Atari's or th- things like that, you had a processor. processor was a 6502. A lot of times today, we emulate those processors in software. So, but that processor, when you got it on the board, it was it's full of transistors, and those transistors are in a configuration that will never change. It will always be a 6502 from here until, you know, it's in a, in a it's in the ground somewhere. The thing that's cool about an FPGA is it has a bunch of transistors, just like any other chip or you know GPU or whatever. The difference is those transistors can be rearranged and reconfigured to basically look like any other piece of hardware or anything unique that you can't do in software. So when we emulate uh, today, and maybe I'll get these terms wrong, but uh, when we do emulation, software emulation of a gaming platform, like an old Atari or something like that, we're actually running software instructions that are pretending to be instructions of that old CPU architecture. But with an FPGA, it's actually changed itself into that old architecture, and it's running the instructions natively. Does that make
2: sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And from what I understand as well, when you're doing software emulation, it's, the problem is you're using one, your, your main desktop CPU or whatever device you're using. And it's kind of just brute forcing and throwing processing power to emulate those those chips of a system, not necessarily at the same time, but alternating. Whereas the FPGA chip can hardware emulate multiple chips if it has room at the same time in parallel, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's totally parallel. So when your application is running emulation, the other thing that you have to worry about is there are timing constraints, you have an operating system, you have all sorts of stuff that's underneath it, and that operating system, it'd be for just a fraction of a second, but it may take that currently running task and switch it out for something else and then come back to it. And while we wouldn't perceive that from a frame rate standpoint, you can definitely perceive it from a latency standpoint in terms of controllers and things like that. So the FPGA, just like you said, and I think it was a great analogy, uh, just like you said, the FPGA isn't just pretending to do those things you know, in, in different threads or whatever in, in the program. It's actually doing those different things at exactly the same time.
2: That's the thing too. Right. So when I first got the mister and I heard about it, there's one guy's name is smoke monster who's big he used to be very big in retro especially with Everdrives and whatnot and he used to always describe the mister and he sold me on it by saying cycle accurate emulation and i had no idea what that meant (laughs) until i looked it up yeah but i guess that's what they're (laughs) talking about right the idea of multiple chips in parallel and and you mentioned the clock speeds and stuff so that's cycle accurate emulation of the mister which is why it's so great Cool stuff. well
0: and one other one other place where it has a lot of value is um you know, a lot of these chips, a lot of the developers or, or creators of these cores, not a lot, but some of them actually will take and do things called delitting, where they will actually strip off the top portion of that chip and actually look at the physical layout of those transistors and the traces on the chip, et cetera, et cetera. And so they can create that. And so what one benefit is, in particular, sound processors have been troublesome since day one in emulation. And it's basically the emulators, the creators of the emulators basically look at it and say, I think it's doing this. And they get it to the point where they're like, it sounds about right. Right. You know? And so the, the joy of something like a, especially something either where we have, you know, a diagram of the chip or somebody can delit it. So it's not, it's not a super complex device and they can delit it. You know, they can take and like that NES core, the, the Nintendo entertainment system, uh, uh, um, sound processor. And I can't remember which one they use, but it is, it is hardware accurate.
1: Yep. So, yeah. And that's, that's, what's so cool. And and especially for processors and things like that from 30 years ago, you can etch the top off of the, the package of it and you can see into the Silicon and you can actually look and, and, and people have done this. Like you said, it's awesome. They basically take apart and look at every transistor and they figure out, okay, this is the arithmetic logic unit, and this is some cache, and this is some, and they basically take all the different pieces, and then they figure out how it's wide together, like you said, and then that can be programmed in the language, uh, it's called a hardware description language or HDL, and then that can be configured into an FPGA, and it is effectively identical to what the old hardware used to do. Yeah. Now, unfortunately though, we'll see. we'll see in the future things will probably start to change a little bit because the processors that are being built today um, have hundreds of millions of transistors in them. So right. they're literally, it's going to be very, and they're multiple layered, right? You could have 32 layers of, of wiring on top of those transistors. So it's going to be a lot more difficult as time goes on. Maybe we'll have a way to automate that. But um, but I think we really are kind of in a golden age where the complexity of the, of the processors that we're trying to emulate Is such that we can actually do it.
0: Which uh, you bring up another question that I had in my list of questions for you, uh, which is, you know, so I see, you know, I follow a couple forums and a couple different groups in the Mister groups, and it's and and there's always this this Moorish idea, like there's a new core that comes out, and you see somebody else say, well, what about this other core? What about this other core, right? And the question that i have for you i i have a little bit of a of an understanding of this but from your your deeper understanding of fpga like what's the limitation on the de10 nano which will we should probably in a minute get into a little bit of a description of what you need for a mister right. but what's kind of the limitation of the de10 nanos fpga as far as like say like putting it somewhere in, you know, the view of like retrocomputing towards a modern, you know, bring it toward modern and say kind of like, there's
1: probably a pretty good line in the sand. Yeah, yeah. So there's a few limitations. The probably the easiest one to describe is that, like I said before, it's, it's basically can be thought of as just a pile of transistors. But that pile of transistors is a limited resource, you only have so many of them. Then there's also all of these kind of wire, wires and routing that bring those transistors together. There's only so much of that. Um, and so really, it comes down to gate count. When I say transistor, you know, a lot of people will also call them gates. But basically, your design or whatever it is you're trying to emulate will be of a certain size. It'll have so many transistors in it, and they'll be routed in, in you know, such a way. Those, um, the physical limitation of the number of gates in the FPGA is one thing. Um, the other thing, you know, like I said, is routing between those gates. And then there's a third thing, which is, is timing. So as processors get faster and faster, you know, we're, we're great at emulating processors that are in the tens of megahertz, right? Maybe even up to hundred megahertz. If you're talking about the Mr. Running, uh, uh, old 486. Right. But processors are getting faster than that. And the routing resources and the gates, because of their nature, they're flexible. They can't go very fast. And so that's the other limitation is going to be in terms of speed.
2: Right. I have an old yeah, spreadsheet. Like, go ahead. I have an old spreadsheet from early on the MISTER talking about the, I guess, the logic utilization of various cores. And just give yep. people an example, like, for example, the Genesis uses 45% of the logic on the MISTER's uh, FPGA chip. So almost half. And then you have something like the SNES, 75%, which is a lot higher than I expected, right? So... Is neat to me because the oh, the four eighty six uses eighty one percent, but it's neat to me because like I'm one of those guys on forums in a star who will say Saturn core coming. What about the N sixty four? Give me the N sixty four, and all I hear back is, well, the N sixty four was notoriously hard to to develop before. It it's overly complex, and I've always been curious why. Because the Mister recently got a PS one core, and it has a Saturn core coming, which is incredible. The other year, they got the CPS, uh, CSP, or was it CPS one and two from Capcom? CPS also amazing, two, like yeah. they've had so many great cores. I never expected when I first got the mister because I originally got the mister just for Genesis, SNES, right? That's all I really got yeah. it for, and everything since then, and all the arcade cores and PS1 has just been pure gravy for me. I love it. But the last, the, the holy grail for me would be that N64, but I understand it's not possible, <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. N64 right there. <laughs> I'm this close to buying yeah. one. I really am. Yeah, um,
0: I've I mean, got I'll tu- Nice. I'll I'll touch on it a little bit, and then Jeremy can probably expand on it. The um, I mean, this is a little bit into the weeds, but the N64 was a uh, a project that Nintendo did, I think, in conjunction with Silicon Graphics, if
1: I remember right. I've heard the yeah. same. I don't know for sure, but that sounds like what and I. And
0: so, as far as the hardware goes, it is incredibly unique, especially for that era um the psx or the ps1 core if i remember right it is still using a motorola 68k you know 680 whatever right yes. which was using is the a genesis core. and
2: stuff right uh huh
0: yeah. yeah and the SNES, yeah um and so that's where a lot of the common cores have kind of come from is when they so the mister let's let's step back the mister is actually uh uh kind of a fork of a of an earlier project called the mist project which was MI's, mi is for Amiga and ST is for Atari ST. Uh two computers back in the day and both of them actually ran on a Motorola 68000 series processor. There's a couple generations in there. And so a lot of the cores in particular with um you know the the um uh, the consoles used those Motorola chips. Or some or some derivative of like sixty or sixty five oh two, which was the Apple generation, or you know something like that. And so a lot of them have kind of stemmed off of that. And the problem that you run into with the Nintendo sixty four is it was its own animal. Like I, I think they may have stolen some of the the audio hardware from other devices, but I think the graphics processing and maybe even the CPU were all unique. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, and and back in the day, so this kind of goes back to, you know, um now I'm kind of old and I actually played with silicon graphics machines back in the day for work. And um they were fantastic machines, by the way. But silicon graphics, and I don't know if this is true for the for the Nintendo 64 or not. I know that silicon graphics was big into MIPS processors, if you guys have heard mm-hmm. of those. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't surprise me if the I don't know if you know for sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if the MIPS was at the core. Of the, of the N64, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's also, you know, all the graphic vectors, vector processors and all that kind of stuff that were in the play too. And all of those are custom. Um, and so this came from, you know, Silicon Graphic IP that they had, that they, you know, put into a, a processor design um, specifically for that market.
0: It is a MIPS technology processor. I just looked it up.
1: Well, uh, there we go. That's yeah. was a good guess, I guess. <laughs> it was. So... Um, and NIPS is actually not that difficult of a CPU to emulate either. I just don't think they've ever done it. I mean, one of the things that you have to, a lot of these cores that they run in the MISTER, they don't have the HDL, the hardware description language for those old cores. And they don't um, have the ability or or it's maybe too complex to to acid off the top and then start looking at what the processor is. So a lot of these cores, like I know the 486 core and that kind of stuff, um, those have been rewritten from scratch in HDL. They're not the old stuff that you'd find from Intel or any of those guys. It's actually been rewritten to have the same instruction set, but it's not the same the same core. And so timing and things like that are for different instructions will be a little bit different.
0: Well, and you bring up timing. Uh, I'm looking at the specs on the Nintendo 64. That MIPS processor is a 93 megahertz processor
1: okay and
0: then the graphics processor is an sgi at 6200 or 62 megahertz i mean so we're we're probably well beyond the uh de 10 nanos uh quantity of of gates yeah yeah that's very likely
2: it's a shame to because that was the thing like when it comes to emulation like software emulation the n64 has never been great in software emulators like it always runs like ass it's always been like glitchy or bugs and that's Dreamcast, PS, even PS2 and 3 at this point, you can emulate fairly okay. I mean, hell, I can emulate the Switch if I really want to and use you, and it runs amazing for a lot of games. But the yep. N64, even like Mario 64, one of the originals, runs like crap at a lot of software emulators. As well as devices where if the mister ever gets, a, a, you know, a new version down the road or a similar product right. happens down the road, I hope the N64 gets captured. Because that's something yeah. where I'd, I'd really hate to lose n64 to history like game preservation is such a great thing and those yeah. carts are are just i really bought them captured so
0: yeah absolutely yeah. yeah funny enough my favorite game on the nintendo 64 is dr mario 64 you would think that it is an easy game to emulate <laughs> yeah. emulators do it poorly <laughs> they really yep. do
1: yeah so. and then- and that kind of goes to show a little bit of the difference versus, you know, software versus hardware. There are certain things you can do in hardware that are extremely difficult to do in software. And even, you know, today with all the extra horsepower we have, the old Nintendo 64 hardware does a really good job of certain things. And right. it's still hard to emulate today.
0: Right. Awesome. Uh, I'm trying to think if I have any other questions that I'd, i pulled up for you. Um, we Oh, we were going to talk about the the hardware um putting together a, a a Mister which is probably valuable for our listeners. So um at the core of the Mister is a uh it's actually a development board uh and I think it's used also for like embedded devices uh called a DE10 Nano and I don't remember who ter- Terrasic I They're think terrific, is who puts yeah. it out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um and sadly while we're talking about this uh the um the shortages in hardware are hampering the mister world as well. Uh, I mean it's hampering basically any computing world. Um and so getting yourself a DE10 nano um, I will tell you right now it is well worth it. But I don't know that it's well worth paying scalping prices for it.
2: What's what the, price are the of scalping now?
0: prices? Yeah. I think I think I've seen 300 bucks for a board. What? Wow. No, yeah. that's I crazy. Three hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> I,
2: yeah. I think I, I paid... got
0: mine for hundred and forty.
2: Did you? Like that. I yeah. got mine for one twenty. Yeah, okay. one twenty. But I got yeah. it fairly early. Early. I got it like two and a half years ago. But nowadays, yeah. you're right. It's like one sixty. I think now, which is quite a bit more.
1: Right. Yeah, and it's one of those things. I think. Uh, I think. The, so Intel makes the the prop, the uh, FPGA that's on there. Um, I think it's a Cyclone 5 or something like that. Um, yeah. And they subsidize. So so these boards, the DE10 Nano is an education board. And so they they have an education price and then they have a, a retail price, but they're all really tuned for education purposes. And so early on, I think the price was subsidized, um, which is why you could get it for so, so cheap. Um, I mean, $125 isn't super cheap compared to a Raspberry Pi, but for an FPGA, it's actually pretty cheap
2: and there's a lot Um, on there right because there's ethernet ports there's uh, slots for ram and other devices there's an sd card reader built into it there's a lot of stuff packed into just the de10 nano and like yeah you give anybody a compute a single board computer the first thing i don't want to do is put games on it (laughs) so (laughs) absolutely
0: yeah and in fact uh, on top of that it also has its own processor which they refer to as a hard processor which runs the actual over overlying um mr you know uh software for the menu and programming the the fpga etc etc um so you need a de 10 nano um i don't know you know thinking about it you know the amount of cores that you get today i mean you have a psx core you have a playstation 1 core i mean The value proposition here, even at $300, like how many systems are you getting essentially hardware level emulation, right? And so even if, I mean, I don't know that I would suggest anybody pay it, but if you want to look at it from a raw dollar standpoint and say the amount of hours you're going to get the value for, you know, if I think of things in movie money, right? What's the cost of a movie ticket plus the food that you get and all that? It's 20 bucks a person for two hours, right? Yeah, that's how many hours are you going to get out of a, a Mr. device? Yeah. Well, for me, I was just going to
1: say, no, you go first. <laughs> and I'll, I'll follow up.
0: Go, Jeremy. Go ahead.
1: Okay. So I was just going to say and add on to that. Um, you know, one of the things that you also have to remember when you get the Mr is you get this hard, it it acts just like the original hardware platform. So when you run, you know, uh, 486 core, you're going to have to go through and install DOS and all of the the DOS games and the drivers. And I can't remember, you know, the last time before the MiSTer where we were actually looking at EMS versus XMS and and all of that kind of crap that we did way back in the day. And, um, you know, doing that on the MiSTer, it's fun, right? It's nostalgia. But it's worked. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I actually had to go relearn how to do speaking of DOS, how to do config.sys and auto exec bat. Like I had to go relearn it, right? Yeah. Uh I had friends that had amigas as a kid. I never owned my own personal amiga. And so that was that was ground up for me. And I had a blast figuring out how to put, you know, workbench on there and all of that stuff, right? Um, so okay, so you need a DE10 nano um from Terrassic you need an SD card and we're talking emulation and we're now talking, Hey, if you have a PS one core, you're either going to want a, a nice hefty SD card, or you can actually mount a, an external USB device. So a either a USB stick or say a USB drive, you know, something. Um, Then there are some add on device. Oh, and you're going to want a memory board and you, it's not required for everything, but you're going to feel hampered if you don't have a memory board. There are a lot of cores that don't run with that ad- with that additional memory board, yeah. and this is aside from the SD card. This is a, a memory board that plugs onto one of the um the ports on the device.
2: The one thing to keep in mind um, so though, too kinda, is that um, yeah, is yes, you want RAM, especially for the later cores like Neo Geo, PS One, and and eventually Saturn, all of them for sure. But I was surprised because I first got my D Ten Nano before everything else, and I was told mm-hmm. you could run some stuff on it, and I was surprised what you could run on it. You can run Genesis Turbo sixteen, you can even run GBA on it. You can't run. They mm-hmm. say you need RAM for the GBA core, but it's only for those those carts that had movies and videos on them, like SpongeBob SquarePants videos. There used to be two episodes per cart. Those you need the RAM to run. But everything else in the GBA ran fine. Not just for the bare DE ten Nano and an SD card. I didn't have anything else, so I thought that was pretty right. neat to me. You certainly want the whole package, but you don't necessarily need it yeah. to start off with.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you are going to want uh, a USB hub um, for your controllers. Yep. Um, and especially if you're going to be using the computer cores like the Amiga, like the uh, MS-DOS core or ao 486 core, as they call it, uh, because you're going to want to plug in a keyboard and mouse. Um, so you're going to want a, a USB hub. That said... They're uh the main the main developer of this product has has kind of designed a large quantity of add-on boards. Um I think his I think his moniker that he goes by is sorgalig sorgalig yeah. Something yeah. yeah. Um and so he created a whole bunch of these um boards, and really what he did is he created um wiring diagrams or or um uh PCB diagrams, right? So you yeah. could you could, if you wanted, go to like PCB Way. And submit the image and have them print it for you and send it to you. Or you, you
1: can go to, soldering it together when you get it. <laughs> you do have the fun <laughs> of soldering it together.
0: Yeah. Um, so there is that. Or there are a number of of reputable um, you know, miss I think there's one even called mraddons.com or something like that. He's um, probably the most
2: popular. Um, that yeah. sells.
0: Yeah. And so the nice thing is is he, you know, he'll put them together and he'll test them um, and then ship them to you. And so Ah, uh, there is a USB board that gives you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven or eight uh, USB ports. I don't remember.
1: I think there are. Let's see. So I've got one right here, just so everybody. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is a podcast. For so for those who are listening, you won't be able to see this, but I believe there are seven. <laughs> what's that? I said thank you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> there are seven ports on it. Uh, I believe one is power only.
2: Yes. Mm. Okay
0: um and then uh then you expand into the what i would call the even more hardcore uh retro portion of this emulation device and that is the um the io add-on board which you can get one that gives you an analog an analog video port i run a crt monitor and it is glorious it is glorious to play these games on the original crt now for those that don't know the D10 Nano has an HDMI port, and it functions fantastically. It will get you basically everything you need with the HDMI port, and depending on the device you're plugging it into, because obviously some TVs will have HDMI latency, but most of them will get you still that that you know frame accurate level of of response time.
1: Yep, unless you're playing Pac-Man from an old <laughs> Atari, in which case you won't actually see the ghost that ate you. <laughs> <laughs> i you know what's funny is i need
0: to verify because i was watching that on my um on my elgato screen but i was and then i looked over and was playing on my crt i should look at my at my actual hdmi uh tv and see if it was the hdmi capture card that that actually messed that up but
2: we can go into that there's a this is to see three ghosts in the atari 2600 port of pac-man right
0: yeah right yeah right and this is something we touched on the last episode yeah. so or well we're recording this out of order so a little bit behind the curtain you're seeing behind Shh, the curtain it's okay
2: <laughs> but i will say like, reg- i will say i tried playing ahead. pac-man on 2600 on my tv and my monitor and i only see the two ghosts so it's definitely so you like, you, like you don't mentioned don't it's totally yeah. an HDMI thing like you guys mentioned well and cool, so they're, interesting
0: <laughs> yeah the rub there is, I think if I remember right, the Atari 2600 is 15 hertz uh, uh, frequency on, you know, on analog out. And so in an HDMI signal that's 60 hertz, like it doesn't divide evenly, right? And so that's the problem that you run into. Each ghost is actually drawn on like every other, ro- uh, every other uh,
1: uh, frequency. Well, yeah, it sounds like someone optimized for the, for the, for the interlacing or something. And they drew yeah. the third ghost on the interlace um, uh-huh. know, side of it so that they could buy themselves a little bit more time in the code to have that third ghost. I'm just guessing. Could be. Um, but yeah, so the the uh, IO
0: board add-on board will get you that, um, well, if you buy the analog version, you get an analog port. There are digital versions that get you things like uh, digital... Uh, don't remember what the digital board specifically i know it gives you another
2: something audio um, related i think audio and i have a digital board i'll be honest i have i don't use i'm sure any of the extra features (laughs) i did it to save money because at the time it was slightly cheaper than the analog board and i don't even know it's crt hindsight i probably should have gotten the one with the crt support because the cool thing is you can do on that analog board you can do crt and hdmi out at the same time Mm -hmm with like no impact. So I should have gotten that port, but I do have the digital one. Um, And then it also adds, and this is something that,
0: um, that I think we want to talk about as well, is it gives you the, um, it it looks like a USB port, but it's an IO port specifically that uses a USB adapter. Um, And that gives you support for some additional add-on devices. And one of them is um, what's, what's called the MT32Pi. And so um, that's something that uh, my brother and I uh, did as a as as kind of a like we did we did a, a hacked version. I wish I still had my cable around for the YouTube video of like my really poorly soldered USB cable that had <laughs> like it gave me audio, didn't give me any display or anything for the uh, for the, the MT32 Pi. But the MT32 was a MIDI device um and i think it's it's something timber i can't remember what it's called um multi timber sound module is what it stands for but what it does is it it's a device that has 32 uh midi audio channels and if you set this up with your mister and you you put together an mt32 pi hat which is a really cool device um it it, it even gives you the display from the mt32 um it will uh use a Raspberry Pi and it will emulate that for those in the uh watching the YouTube version, you can see it on the screen there. Um but it uses a Raspberry Pi and it emulates at fairly uh you know fairly correct accuracy the MT32 device. And when you hear games like the Sierra games with that MT32 Pi or MT32 device, it is night and day different. Um yeah.
2: Like Monkey Island could, especially. Yeah. yeah, I wish I could play the audio oh, yeah. for, for the folks watching, but uh, I'll see if I can slip it in in post. But Monkey Island's theme song, to me, is the most dramatic yeah. example. Listen to the yeah. M32 version versus the, the regular plain MIDI version. And it, you're right, it is that right. made different. But I, I wanted yeah. to ask, the M32, back in the day, that was like a super high-end device. It was expensive, wasn't
0: it? I it was. So. was it I'm rolling? looking at it i'm looking at it here it's roland i'm looking at it i've got it up i'm looking at my mind palace i guess you know <laughs> the internet uh it was released in 1987 at 695 1987 dollars and here so, are today emulating on a raspberry pi <laughs> yes yeah, yeah gotta love it yeah so it's it says equivalent to 2021 dollars is 1600 dollars yeah. so yeah um, I mean, that's crazy. That's that's what we're paying for uh, for graphics cards these days. That's yeah. true.
1: <laughs> but but uh, the audio is is so much better when you've got the real MIDI device that's there to do it. Yeah. Um, I remember yeah. When, when we were kids. You know, uh, our cousin had a friend who had one of these things because you could only hear about people who had one. You couldn't actually have one yourself.
2: Right. You only yeah.
1: heard that you know in the wild that there were these things, and uh, he took a tape and, and uh, brought it in and recorded it. And he brought that over and he said, guys, you got to listen to this. This is, <laughs> this is great. And he played us the song from one of these video games and we were, we were just floored. It's like, no, that can't be real.
0: Right. Right. And then of course we always drooled. You'd see the, you know, the game manual that would say MT-32 Roland support. And you're just like, ah, I wish I had one. I have yep. my lowly sound blaster 16.
1: Yeah.
2: This is what for what the eight so this is for the 486 core. Is there any other cores that support it? Amiga? forty
0: six 486, Amiga, Atari ST. Okay. Um, and then um what's the new one? It was a it was a Japanese only device.
2: Oh uh, um sixty-eight something? No.
0: Yeah. Sixty eight X68? Something like that. Anyway. Yeah. Um it also has MT32 Pi or M T thirty-two support. So now that said um, the quantity of games on the Amiga is like, I don't know, six or seven. Oh, um, so if you okay, really so want the experience... Then. Okay. No. Yeah. No, so if you really want the experience, um, you you really need to play with the uh, 486 core, the AO486 core, yeah. which I would recommend anyway. Yeah, Rick.
1: that's true. I can't remember if I've tried it on the Amiga or not. I want to say I tried it um, with lemmings or something like that on the amiga and i think it worked i could be totally off i could i could be misremembering
0: i know i did a couple of the sierra games on the amiga yeah right um but yeah so if you if you know to dive a little bit into the weeds here we've you know we uh, you and i when we talked about this jake we we did kind of want to bring up i think some some cores that are of of uh of importance to us anyway Um, you know, I think every core is important to someone, of course, right? But um some cores of importance. Uh so for 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 Jeremy and I, it's really been that AO four eighty six core. We have we have had a nostalgia blast because as you know, I did not grow up in the consoles like you guys did, right? And so I go back and I play the Sierra games and I play we've been playing through Might and Magic through four four,
1: Uh, four. Four, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, um, you know, and all of those the you know Masters of Orion and all of these games the Be- Eye of the Beholder games, which i of the Beholder Two is also a fantastic MT32 uh, supported game. Um, so you know those have been that's kind of been I think ninety percent of the core uh cores that I've played with have been the 486 core. So, um, yeah. yeah
1: although the the you know the nest core there's a lot of classics that can be played on that one and and they they play fantastically on it
2: that's one of the reasons you why mean, i like wanted Sony? one yeah like the reason i wanted one so bad was originally i was looking at analogues devices because they are they're also okay. FPGA based they also look really cool and they, they go through that retro aesthetic and they have great controller support all that stuff but when i looked at the cost of the analog console more importantly the shipping to canada it was like 60 70 bucks a ship so when i priced out the cost wow. of the uh, mega sg was like the last one i tried looking at for them and it, it would have been like 350 bucks canadian at the time i think it was and i priced that wow. out and i know that you could jailbreak it because most analog devices have jailbreak support for various other cores like nes and whatnot mm-hmm. but there's only still a handful of cores and then i heard that the mister which was cheaper at the time anyway and it supported so much more even back then <laughs> Right. And we're talking about, and again, like you guys mentioned, retro computing. I, I mean, that, for me, the 486 was it was cool, but it was the Amiga that was a big draw for me. I never had that either as a kid, like you guys. And when I got my mister and I dived into the Amiga library, there's a lot of really cool stuff. A lot of great sounding stuff. So that's why when you mentioned the M32 wasn't really supporting the Amiga. I'm surprised because I like a lot of the Amiga sounds. So I thought more would take advantage of it. But yeah, yeah. the the NES core, especially the low leg, la- low the low latency is why I love the Mister so much. Games like Mega Man 1, Gutspin Stage, mm-hmm. where you have these dropping platforms, or Punch-Out, as a classic example. These are games yeah. that if you play today on software emulation, or you play on Switch Online, or any of the official ways to do it. You, you're going to hold the controller, and you're going to die several times, and you're going to be wondering to yourself, am I old? Have I just lost my edge? No, you haven't. Well, maybe you have. But it's not just that. Yeah. It's also latency. Because when you play it on the Mister, it is totally different. It feels 100% better. And it's yeah. it's weird to say that because people think you're crazy, but you put a controller, hook up to a mister in their hand, and they will feel the difference instantly. And it doesn't matter what their yes. skill level was. It's just, it's dramatically different. And that's why I love playing NES games on the mister. It definitely takes advantage of that little latency.
0: Yeah, yeah. you, you brought up Punch-Out! I have never beaten Punch-Out! in my life. Um, and I'm not going to ever commit to, because, <laughs> wow. Um no. Uh how, but how Mario. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've committed to Mario. I've committed <laughs> to Mario. A past episode. It's our Sisyphean game episode. <laughs> I have committed. I can now effectively get to 2-4 every time. Every time. So I'm getting better. I'm not using warps. There um, but I thought I was just downright awful at at Punch Out. I got the DE10 Nano and spun it up. No, I'm just bad. I'm not downright <laughs> awful. I'm just bad. You're just bad. Like, yeah. yeah, it's it's night and day difference. I can actually get through, like, I I think I can normally get to, like, Soda Popinski and even sometimes beat Soda Popinski. Yeah. Where it used to be, like, Bald Bull would just wreck my house, like, every time,
2: you know? Like, the timing on Bald Bull is so tight. It's, it's a couple frames, and it's so easy to mess that up on Switch Online version, right? You're playing your Switch or if you're playing on your, your desktop, it really is dramatically different. And that's, to me, is one of the biggest reasons to own this device. Cycle accuracy, all that stuff and on and, and the vast library of support, sure. But the low latency, it, I mean, there's many factors yeah. to that, but the Mister of the box is noticeably faster or more or less uh, less latency than anything else will do. And it's worth it just to that alone.
0: Yeah, I ran retro Pies for years, right? Yeah. I mean... I loved retro pies and I would even go in and do things like play with the run ahead and play with all of that and try to try to get that accuracy. Right. Which for those that don't know, run ahead is a, is a, it's a, it's a weird attempt. You essentially have two running versions of the game and one is running. You, you set the, the difference in milliseconds that it runs. And so basically what it tries to do is it makes it so that your eyes see an event you click the button and you have that that latency delay actually gets picked up by the one that's running behind the one that you're seeing huh yeah so it it does and it gets close yeah it gets close yeah so and it's a good answer for for software emulation it sure is i mean obviously you're running two emulators right so you have to have the power to run two emulators it's that brute force yeah.
2: attempt I mean, at it yeah. right like we said earlier yeah, it's brute it's... forcing to, to do this when the mister does it almost near accurate to hardware back in the day it's 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 yeah. weird how you take two different approaches a shotgun <laughs> and just like a knife right. Right? it's just that's yeah. yeah. crazy <laughs> yes. okay. yeah
0: now that said um the 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 controller um portion of the uh mister runs through the 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 actual hard processor and so there is a very slight delay, but you um and this is configurable, and I think it's not set by default, but you can have the the actual processor query your u s b devices a thousand times a second, so essentially one millisecond ping time or query times, yeah, and so when we're talking, you may have one out of you know however many times that you end up one frame after right you may end up with like one frame after accuracy, so Yep. And when we're talking the slower cores, like like a an Atari that runs at fifteen hertz, right? I mean, that's a lot of time that it has to pick up that that uh,
1: um, that button pre- that button press. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, to kind of go back to that a little bit for for those who don't have a Mister, the Mister is kind of you can think of it as kind of two halves to it. It's got the FPGA side, which is where all your emulation happens, and it's got these hard processors that that you had mentioned before, Sin, And these hard processors are kind of like a Raspberry Pi. They run Linux and you have all the support that you would with a normal Raspberry Pi Linux environment. So that your USB controllers will typically work. You can plug in an Xbox controller and it'll work, um, all that kind of stuff. But there is kind of that mesh between the two where you have the old and the new coming together.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I have a so, Wi-Fi dongle and a Bluetooth, a Bluetooth dongle hooked up to my Mister, and they work. I've a few of different try different types. I've tried worked out of the box, no problem. Like I mean, it's it's amazing the hardware support for stuff he's put into into the Mister. It really does feel yeah. like plug and play in yeah. a lot of respects, and it's pretty amazing. Every controller yeah. on my shelf back there, I've tried with various USB adapters, work no problem. Um, ah, I have used a snack right. adapter for the NES just to try it out because I, I built one oh. for a friend of mine. Worked no problem. Like everything I've thrown at it, hardware-wise, great. The Mr. is is amazing. Yeah, like I've had issues with, I I did do a a Raspberry Pi 3 back in the day. And I remember having issues with the Wi-Fi dongle. I had to buy two different ones to get one that worked. And I had issues with the keyboard back then. Nothing like that on the Mr. It just seems to be a lot more mature of a a space.
1: Yeah, that's great. One of the other things that is really kind of neat about the Mr. is you can put it on the network and I believe it has a Samba share. So, so you put it on the network, and it will just show up in your network neighborhood on Windows, and you can copy stuff over to it. So you can copy stuff back and forth. You don't have to pull out the SD card to do a bunch of stuff if you want. It has its own kind of file system structure for the different emulation platforms. But once you understand, understand that, you can move things around, and, and it becomes really easy to use uh, without having to take it apart. Right
2: yeah like i said now, before you i built on... mine inside an arcade stick so i ain't open that thing up yeah. anytime soon so i use win to connect to it and a little mm-hmm. slow at times for some of the stuff i transfer over but for the most part yeah it works fantastic for transferring stuff
0: yeah now you brought up the snack adapter um and it's serial something i can't remember what snack stands for it's s-n-a-c for those that want to know uh but that actually uses that that um uh, that fake USB port on the IO, on the IO board. And that actually gets uh, a direct connection into the core. And so that gives you that, um, and they make basically different snack adapters, or you can make your own mm-hmm. that will, you know, take a, uh, an actual Nintendo controller or an actual Genesis controller, or, you know, I, I use the, the, but DOS, but, um, or eight but dues, I don't know how you pronounce it, but, um, but that gives you that cycle accurate. So we're no longer talking about maybe a delay between going from the the, the Linux side to the core side. We're talking that device is hardwired,
1: you know, hardwired through the FPGA core yeah. into your um, emulator. And even though that's using, it looks like a USB port. Even though it's using an USB uh, USB port, it's not using the the USB protocol on it. So it's just hardwired into it. Do you have to go in and I've never done this because I don't have one of those. Do you have to go in and configure what kind of thing you have connected to it so it knows?
2: Yeah. So for certain cores that support it, not everything does, but uh, out of the box, like NES, NES, Genesis, SMS. Um, so there's a few cores that do have snack support. Uh, PS One actually, I think just got snack support. Uh, you mm-hmm. go to the core options and you go to the input tab, and there's an option for enabling snack. And when you do that, it lets you use that port for your controller. it works once you set it up it's done and it works fantastic yeah
0: that's great yeah so what uh i mean you've touched on the nest core um what other cores kind of drove you to this um jake
2: uh nest is definitely a big one sorry my kids are starting to go to bed i can hear them stomping on the floor uh you know what (laughs) a lot of the arcade cores i used to be a big arcade fan when i was a kid and um a lot of the old stuff, like Pac-Man, uh, Space Invaders, a lot of the old arcade stuff, I love to play. And again, it's always a problem with latency and trying to play that on on um, software emulation. It doesn't feel the same. It's never felt the same. Atari 2600 is my first console. I love that machine to death. Even though Stella is a fantastic software emulator, it never felt quite right. And the moment I spun up the mister to play an Atari game on it, it just feels, it, it took me right back to when I was a kid. Just the clarity of the screen. The refresh rate just everything looked just as i remembered it and so much cleaner and smoother than the the software emulator so definitely atari 2600 but i think what really sells me on the mr today is the future support of cores they're bringing in uh, the one core that is coming it's in alpha or beta now is the saturn core the saturn is another one of those systems much like the n64 that is very difficult to emulate and it's taken many years to get a good software emulator for saturn and even today, when I do try and emulate Saturn games, it doesn't feel quite there. So the idea of the Mr. being able to support the Saturn is very exciting for me. That's probably the thing I'm looking forward to the most to use this machine for. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: And it amazes me. Um, you know, the, there are certain hardware tricks, right? The, the, and the, the developers for the Mr. are really amazing. Um, because the stuff that they've been able to pull off with the limited number of transistors that you actually have in that Cyclone FPGA is incredible. I'm sure they're playing lots of tricks and things to optimize and do that kind of stuff, um, but things that I never thought would be able to fit in there, like we were talking about, seem to just fit. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking at the the Sega Saturn, and it is, uh, It's I, I've never even heard of the processor that's in it uh it's a hitachi super h i don't know what oh, that okay. is it's, super it's h, yeah. two of them it's two of them so um yeah i'm excited for the saturn core because um i had a friend that had a saturn growing up and um i remember i think it was the the aliens game on the saturn was just <laughs> epic to play i love that game uh i look forward to it and then you know of course we just got the, PA, the playstation core when I say just, uh, I mean it's been out in beta for probably three, four months now.
2: Both that, yeah,
0: yeah. But I think I think they've officially released it now. Um, I mean, it's definitely on the main page at this point. Um, but uh, you know, I, I go back to like I immediately spun up Gran Turismo because I'm like, anything that's going to test this is going to be Gran
1: Turismo, and it just it's it's, it's amazing yep one thing though if you have a mister one thing i would highly recommend you do these guys are running it to the razor's edge of what they can do mm-hmm. and it's going to generate a lot of heat and use a lot of power so make sure you run it with a fan um yes. i would a heat not heat sink attempt- and fan a heat sink and fan yeah exactly i would not attempt to run any of that kind of stuff at the clock rates they're running without those
2: right yeah yeah i used to be worried about um heat build up and stuff like i I even to this day much like as a kid i would never leave my nes on overnight i know some people did <laughs> you don't lose your progress i don't do that with yeah. the mister i usually only play for maybe two hours maybe three at a time that's just i don't have free time anyway otherwise to do it but i would never i would never run the mister for a 12-hour session i'd be too worried about heat i've been told it's been fine and that it can handle it um it's a tough yeah. little device but i'm still that back in my mind it says you paid a lot for this thing <laughs> don't burn it out so I know with yeah. certain cores, I do worry about it, yeah.
0: Yeah, Especially
1: oh, with the supply issues right now. You don't want to yeah, lose exactly. that device. Exactly. And I think the hardware is probably okay. I mean, I don't know about the Cyclone 5. I know a lot of FPGAs that I've used in the past. They, they, all, have, um, they all have their own internal temperature sensors, and they'll effectively shut themselves down before any damage occurs. Right. Um, but one of the things that you will notice if you're running it too hot or too fast, especially if there's there's a thing called timing. I won't get into it, but if they if they miss timing when they build these images, um, it's going to start to fail in weird ways. You'll see glitches and corruptions and things like that if it gets too hot. Mm-hmm. And so um, so really, it's more about the reliability of the of playing the design because I think they're just running right on the edge of stability to get some of these cores in there.
0: Now, if you have the I/O board, which if you, if you build it in the sandwich as it's designed to be built <laughs> um, and they call it the sandwich because the sandwich is technically three boards. The DE10 sits in the middle, the USB device sits at the bottom and the I.O. board sits on top. Um, if you get the I.O. board uh, either from, you know, say like Mr. Add-ons or one of the other reputable uh, sources, more often than not, it does come with a fan attached to that device that blows directly either, either pull, pull blows off of or Blows onto the de ten nano. I don't remember which.
1: I think it pulls um, away from, but I can't remember either. It
0: could yeah. be. And mine came with a with a little heatsink that I could I could just slap on it. Um, uh, but if you obviously go to like PCB Way and have them you know make this board for you and send it to you, you're gonna have to buy yourself a, a fan after afterwards aftermarket. Um, yeah. Which I did anyway because the fan that came with mine, um, it wasn't noisy, but it was. <laughs> it's not quiet i'm,
2: I'm <laughs> just
0: i'm just picky and so i replaced it with a um a noctua and it's now absolutely silent yeah so. I,
1: I did the same thing yeah. i ran with a stock fan a lot longer than needed though and i finally got sick of it and i got the noctua
2: <laughs> so now I that said have... oh, go ahead i just say i have my mister so it's inside my arcade stick which is aluminum or or sorry steel so it's Mm. Pretty cold, considering I actually have the sandwich taken apart because of height restrictions. Mm. My thing is only like an inch and a half tall, so it's not tall enough for the sandwich, so I have each of the boards separated and, and adhere to the sure. bottom of the arcade stick, so it's kind of a Frankenstein mishmash of wires and boards, but it works and it hasn't burnt out yet. so I'm very oh,
1: it's in it. an arcade stick, so it probably looks really cool.
2: Well you could never see it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I like how I, mean, I use the, the arcade, arcade controls it, with yeah. it, and it feels <laughs> it feels amazing, yeah that's awesome. And uh just f y
0: i for those that may want to do a uh a fan replacement, I found this out the hard way uh that fan is a five volt header, not a twelve volt header. You need the five oh, volt no. fan so yeah. <laughs> actually it worked out. I actually had a use for that twelve volt fan that I accidentally bought later, so it worked out. did it even spin at five volts or did it just no. spin slow? No. It didn't even spin no, you could see it jitter like it would do the yeah. little jitter, yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a concern too so. with the mister is actually the power uh utilized. Uh so I know it has multiple USB ports on it, but I have had and my friend of mine's also had where if you stack it up with more than one uh Bluetooth adapter mm-hmm. or Bluetooth with a Wi-Fi, if you if you overdo it on the amount of devices plugged in that use power, it they will stop, it will prevent it from booting, or you may have it running into um odd issues. So like whenever I see somebody on Reddit having Mr. issues, first thing I ask is, well, how many devices do you have plugged into it? Try unplugging some of the devices because there is such a thing as too much on the Mr.
0: Yeah. 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 And with the, or with the USB board, uh, it, if you buy the kit, you actually get a splitter from the original, you know, DE10 uh, nano power source. I've seen plenty of people that say that they go and buy a second power source just for that USB board. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: So.
0: Um, yeah,
1: yeah, but yeah. You need you need a good. I don't know how many amps it is. Um, I guess I've got one here, but I would I would say you probably need a good three amps. Oh, it looks like this one that I use with it is four amps. Wow. So um, you know, five volts. We're looking at around twenty watts of power for this. Little yeah,
2: thing. I'm using a five amp uh, USB block as my power source. I switched Okay. I switched, yeah, that's USB. great.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Well, fantastic. Well, um, I mean, I uh, you oh, you brought up arcade, uh, the arcade stuff. Um, so when I first got mine, um, uh, another. So this is this is the glory of the of kind of the open development world of the Mister. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Hotego, who basically his entire um uh, life revolves around. Uh, basically, taking these, especially kind of reused cores or reused boards, reused boards, and um, kind of bringing them all over his cores onto the Mister. And so, his claim to fame is the CPS one and CPS two boards, which gives you Street Fighter, Street Fighter two, Champion Edition, Super Street Fighter, Street Street Fighter Turbo, Hyper Hyper X. I mean, take your pick, right? All the names, but. That was fantastic and that was actually also when I learned that uh the the Street Fighter arcade games cheat like a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding, they have proven this by slowing down the footage. Yeah. That's that's the other good thing about it. I think they actually pulled the footage off of a hardware emulation system to make sure that it wasn't like a software emulation issue for yeah. these oh. for these
2: yeah otego is great in that uh his Twitter's fun to follow because he'll go into the weeds and dive into some of the stuff that he finds. I think he he was doing the, the the arcade Strider core, I think mm-hmm. it was, and he was talking about how accurate it was, but there was a bug you call it a bug with the star pattern in the background was not accurate to the original hardware the number of stars or the way they're positioned or flickered was not hardware accurate. That's the level of detail he goes into his first course and stuff you would never even think about that you're playing Strider on MAME or something, your desktop and the stars are inaccurate or whatever's inaccurate. But he's looking at that kind of detail. So I I love the stuff that he does. I think for the, once he's done, the only thing that doesn't support Street Fighter wise is Street Fighter three, but he's already announced Mm -hmm. he's going to be doing CPS three at some point, even though it only supports like three games. it's It's still on his roadmap to do. But he's doing stuff. I think he started doing Konami stuff now, slowly uh-huh. working his way up to the, the more complicated stuff. But this time next yeah, year I- or a year from now, we could see Turtles, X-Men, all those great Simpsons, yeah. all the Konami brawlers. Yeah. Um, We did a past episode on, and they're fantastic. I, I'm hoping he does those. That and Mortal Combat are kind of like the last cores I'd like to see arcade-wise. It's Mortal Combat and, like, Konami brawlers. And I think we're going to get it
0: yeah speaking of of uh, you know kind of uh hotego and and then we talk about you know um kind of saving this history right so um he actually has submitted a patch back to the mame emulator from uh his work working on the mister device uh it was either for contra or akari worries i can't remember which but there was he he did this whole rundown about how there was a chip that everybody thought was a security chip and they basically just bypassed it. Well, it's actually a randomizer that was used for literally one <laughs> section of the game for all these bombs that end up on the screen. And he was playing along, and the bombs basically just like all ran along the bottom of the screen. And he looked at it, and he finally figured out that it was it was it was a randomizer. And so he took after he had uh, um, determined this and had worked it out, he submitted a pack a patch back to Mame
1: for that core. Awesome. Yep. So. And I believe, hasn't he gone in and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's also a hardware hacker. He takes these boards and he looks at all these chips and he figures out what each of these parts do. And of course he would need to, because then he can actually do the wiring inside the FPGA to match it. Um, but he's, he goes in and he finds what all these chips do on the board and then he recreates it inside the FPGA.
0: Yeah. I think he also actually does delitting for a lot of his stuff. I think he he, ed- he yeah. etches the packages off, yeah,
1: yep, yeah so a little bit of acid, yeah, yeah, it's not like delitting today, you know, where you take your processor yeah. and you delid it so that you can stick a heat sink down on it. These right. are you know um epoxy packages that you have to you have to basically melt the top of them off to get to the silicon very carefully, very carefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But usually acid or you know so acid etched or something like that awesome
0: yeah i have i i I continually want to dive more into some of these other cores like um you know jeremy and i grew up with uh the atari 2 series uh computers before we joined the you know pc compatible or ibm compatible or whatever you you call it um and so we never played with like commodore 64s and i want to play more with the commodore 64 core um you know there's a lot of these. market specific cores like the zx spectrum it was not really well known in the in the in north america but yeah. fantastically well known over in europe i'd love to play with that yeah yep.
1: so. yeah there were the acorns i think in europe
0: mm-hmm. um the bbc micros actually put out by by bbc, BBC. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah yeah and that's i think i think it has i've never tried it but i think it has some pretty good emulation support or you know simulation support or however you call it, fpga emulation
2: um the uh the two that i think are really cool is the one that everybody should try at least early on with their mister is the pdp1 right the pdp1 is pretty much like the original game right and this is back when there was no monitors it actually used a a circular radar panel as its display and there's actually a youtube video i'm going to put in the comments of the youtube video and and the audio episode of a short video of somebody displaying it there's one at a, a university and it's this radar display and there's like a wooden control panel with two buttons. And it's basically it's a star on this screen, like a sun and two ships. And you can actually move the ships around and shoot at each other with the gravity from the star affecting your movement. It is the original game. It is really cool to see how we go from there to PlayStation one. And it's on the mister as like a sense of history. Cause you would never be able to see a PDP one very unlikely in real life and to play it in real life, but you can play it here on the mister and it's, it's going to be as accurate as you're going to get. To the original. I think that what's really cool. Um, the other one that was really cool was the the Vectrix, which is a vector display Mm. device, like a console, home console, very small monitor, vector display, and it had a controller with it. And it had it was I don't know how popular it was, but it had a number of different games and cartridges, and it had like screen overlays, the whole nine yards. The playing that, it actually is really cool. It plays really well for a vector system. It looks great. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I uh, I know game and watch is uh is making its kind of its debut right now the Nintendo Game and Watch stuff. Um How wild is that? <laughs> Game and Watch oh, LCD screen. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I love it. And then, you know, to touch a little bit more on say you you brought up display stuff like overlays, etc. Um there are also lots of tricks that they've tried to do to make it so that if you're using the HDMI output, you can try to simulate that original uh CRT um kind of look and feel um with different scalers. and I can't remember the other terms but shadow you masks can do, you know yeah. shadow masks yeah um yeah yeah online doublers and all that yep. stuff yeah and if you look up uh there are pictures there are people who have taken pictures of like how it looks on you know a modern HDMI display and how it looks on the CRT from the same essential source. And you can see that the developers were were essentially creating this for the CRT, right? Now they may not have known in the future that it was going to break when you had these like nice, evenly shaped pixels with like no gaps, right? Yeah. But yep. yeah, yeah. So so you can turn on the shadow masks and the scalers and all of that stuff. Yeah.
2: Well, to this day, yeah. I say that Earthworm Jim and the Genesis looks fantastic, but in mm-hmm. hindsight, it was because of CRT displays, right? It was because of the the dithering that comes with a CRT display, that's what gave the Genesis yep. the, the blend of colors that the Super Nintendo didn't really need, right? If you look if you compare SNES versus Earthworm Gym versus Genesis, SNES has more colors and it does look better. But back in the day on the CRT, very hard to tell the difference. And it's it's really cool. And it's yep. its design for CRT is, is really interesting on graphics.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah, I have a I have an old CRT. I'm glad I never got rid of it. It's actually a, a um, you know, Sin Sin knows this. We actually used it. We played some of the Might and Magic over the holidays with it, and um, it was great. It's an old, uh, I want to say, 19-inch Trinitron um, CRT that I still have. It's, you know, it's got to weigh like 60 pounds, yeah. but um, it's so awesome to still have it. I was really bummed out though because there are some, um, it, it needs some degaussing. There are some color distortions mm-hmm. on part of the screen. And um, I have a friend, and I, he gave me a degausser. I still need to do it, but I was going to try to try to fix those on that screen. But that's a great screen to have. Yeah,
0: yeah. I uh, I, I purchased uh, 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 another CRT monitor because you know hindsight being what it was five years ago, I decided to e-recycle all of my CRT monitors. and
2: Yeah. Well, can you think back <sighs> yeah. of the, like, oh, I'm going to keep this. I I had one. I had 27 inch CRT TV. And then, but uh, eight years ago, I got rid of it. Had I only known that that Sony huge ass TV, I could actually use it today with the Mister. I never would have yeah. gotten rid of it, even if it does weigh eighty pounds. Because that's the thing with yeah, CRTs; was- they're very inconvenient. They're <laughs> they weigh a ton. So we yep. sold
0: it for like three hundred bucks, man.
2: Nowadays, yeah. yeah Back then, you couldn't even give it. You enough. couldn't even give it away.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I half expected. I hadn't turned mine on in probably fifteen years or something like that until last uh last winter and um and i half expected it when i turned it on for it to like blow some caps or something out of the back but it ran so it was still good yeah nice
0: nice well awesome uh well we're we're probably close to time here um anything else we want to kind of bring up i i know we could probably talk another three hours about the mister if we if we really other druthers but i don't know that our listeners would stick around that long <laughs>
2: I, I will just say that for, I mean, FPGA tech is really in vogue right now, I guess, for 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 retro enthusiasts. And a lot of people do look at the analog devices. I know the analog pocket uh, is a device that they just released or trying to ship it out to people. And it's a handheld FPGA machine. It's great. It's, and the, the tech behind it is good Cool. But the problem with those analog devices is they are extremely expensive and often in limited supply and hard to get. Like I know the waiting list for the Pocket is ridiculously long and they don't even make some of their older systems anymore. The MiSTer, despite the hardware shortages, is something you can get within a month or so if you really look. And it's cheaper and to me far more value. And because it's open source, you have a lot more available uh, people working on it uh, and contributing to the project as a whole. There's more of a community around it. And there's just a lot more of systems to explore on it. And uh, uh, to me, if anybody says should I get an analog device, nah, man, get the Mister. The Mister is your best value of your money, the best bang for your buck by far. It does so much over the analog consoles. Yeah. Like, there's people who are asking about the when's the jailbreak happening for the analog Pocket, and that's just because they want to play other cores on it, and they can't because right. it's, it's a closed system. It's not like the Mister, which is open. The idea that this is an open source project is just astounding to me. Like Sorleg mm-hmm. has done, obviously the majority of this work—it's his baby. But seeing all the other developers yeah. developing cores for it is just something to see. It's it's a, a really great community of people working toward game preservation in this this device. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. You don't you don't really buy the Mister for the the hardware. You buy it for the community. At least that's how I yeah. look at
0: it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I both right because I want I want cycle accurate. Right, <laughs> yes, but I yeah, but i I want it's like you say the analog device, right, like I want the support and the cycle accuracy, so yeah yeah, yeah it's I not
1: that's a, a, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, with the mister, the only support you're going to get is the web and yourself, so <laughs> you do have to really take it with a big grain of salt that you know what you're getting, you're going to have to figure stuff out and you're going to have to make it work and and there is a good community around it, but it's a lot more hard work. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anything else, gentlemen? No. Oh.
0: All right. Well, uh Jeremy, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you taking your time um and uh and giving us some some technical details that us uh us, us higher level people don't don't have. So thank you for being here. It's a to yes, be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. And uh uh, we we normally ask people to come on like where they can find you, but I I uh, you don't really stream. You don't have a so if you want to come chat with uh with my brother, jump onto Twitch. He's he's uh in Chardmunk, one of the other hosts. He's in his channel regularly. Brother of Sin yep. is his moniker. Yep, and yep. uh yeah, and Jake, where can we find you?
2: Uh, yeah I'm sick, Jake. You can find me mostly on Twitter, occasionally on Twitch. Um, I just picked up some new arcade buttons and a stick, so I'm going to be building a trash box in the near future, and I'll put that up on YouTube.
1: Nice. Awesome.
0: And I'm Sinistar77. I'm uh, back to streaming on Mondays on Twitch, and I'm also on Twitter and here. Alright. Thank you, right. gentlemen. I don't. I can't do Werewolf's voice, so, you know.
2: <laughs> I'm not even going to try yes. to recreate right. his voice. Yeah. Easter. Yeah. All right. <laughs> there we go.
0: I'm <laughs>